It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Coming up on today's episode, we break down another loss for the Jets, this time to Vegas, plus a look at the attendance issues early on in the season. Hello, everybody. Recording live from somewhere. What's good and welcome to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki. You can follow me on Twitter at Brandon underscore Rewicki or the podcast at Skates Plates Pod. All right, let's dive on in late Thursday night. It's just not going good in Winnipeg right now. With the hockey team, I should say. The weather's absolutely fantastic, but... Oh, those vibes couldn't carry over at Canada Life Center. And boy, uh, but boy, does the club need them in a big way. Tough start to the season after a couple of solid games. Not so good. Culminating that 5-3 loss to the Vegas Golden Knights on Thursday night before the club heads out on the road for a bit of a toughie on Saturday night. But we'll break down that game against Vegas. And of course, like we said in the opening there, Got to talk about the attendance issues that are popping up here. Big time concerns from across the province. No doubt about it. Everybody's got a take on it. Let's see if we can dive on in and try to solve this thing out. Um, joining me once again, though, CJOB's Tyson Rewicki is with us. T-Dog, what's going on? You got the Berkey. People don't know. You just came from, from the Jets game where you were working. Tyson's got the Berkey going. Oh, yeah. Had to, had to, after a game like that, you almost have to. It's Berkey, Berkey, I would have Berkey at the mic after that one would have been some prime time stuff right there. I do, I do feel a sense of like I can I can feel Berkey's power, <laughs> the spirit of Berkey. <laughs> I I was saying this before we started, but like legitimately, if you went to a Halloween party and somebody was dressed up like Berkey. With the with like the buttons undone and the tire the loose tire on the neck, I, I'd be pretty jacked up. That would be a sweet costume. Ninety percent of people would be like, "Would have no idea what's going on." But if you can get like yeah <laughs> two or three to people to be like, "Does that sick costume?" It's so worth it. The bo- the boys would be jacked. <laughs> Everyone else is like, "What's your deal, man?" <laughs> oh, good. Well, it's good that we got a couple laughs in because that's going to end immediately because we have to talk about the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, I mean, this game was all over the place. Ultimately, ends in that five-three loss, but man, it kind of it kind of felt like three different hockey games bunched into one. They came out of the gates great. 
The second period was borderline disastrous. And then what looked to be a rousing third period comeback to grab at least a point ends in disappointment yet again, thanks to some, let's say, discipline issues, which we'll, we'll get to, discipline or officiating issues. We'll, we'll touch on that a little bit. And then just a lack of execution on the penalty kill. Leads to the Jets falling to one and three on the season. It's it it sucks. It sucks right now with this hockey team because they especially these past two games, Tyson, they they haven't been able to, to, to catch a break. And and it, one and three doesn't totally, I think, define and explain how they played so far this season. I think they've been better than that. But Man, you just can't make mistakes against good teams, right? Like you, you can't make you can't make brutal mistakes like you did against Calgary, and then you can't show up for large, fail to show up for large portions of the game like they did against LA and Vegas. Good teams are going to bury you, and then and the Jets have been buried from a lot of self inflicted wounds early this season. Yeah, and, and I one thing that stood out to me in my eyes at least was that aside from the beginning of the third period to the after the Jets power play goal that even though there was times where the Jets had the pot had possession in Vegas's end, it always seemed like Vegas was in control of the game. Like even though that there would be some times where a puck would get thrown out towards the front or trying to make a pass to set up a scoring chance, they the players were there and it was pass out in front, clean interception, puck out. Like I just felt that there was that was a cup winning team versus a team that's not quite there yet. In, in my eyes, at least, and well, I think that... I, I think I think what you're seeing, Tyson, is it, it stands in contrast to how the Jets play in their own end at times. Yeah, like I, I don't even I don't know if necessarily like the the offense wasn't firing on all cylinders. It's just like that's what championship defense looks like. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like I I, I thought a lot of the forwards had, had decent games. I think like if you're comparing the forward group to the D group. The forward group played much, much better than the D group. I thought that this was, I thought the D group had a really rough one today for the most part. Like, and that was top to bottom. I thought Dylan DeMello in the first, that might've been Dylan, one of Dylan DeMello's worst periods as a jet. He just looked like he struggled. And I'm just going to get, I'm going to just get the elephant out of the room and almost literally an elephant with how tall he is, but they can't play Logan Stanley anymore. Like it's it's not his fault that he's in the lineup. He's just not an NHL player. He's just and I'm like, I feel bad because the guy by all accounts is a good guy, and he just doesn't have the puck skills. There are so many times where it's just basic basic plays, and they don't get made, and you just can't have that when it, with a defense that's already struggling as is. And the other thing that really baffled me about playing Logan Stanley is not even playing Logan Stanley necessarily. It's that. I could see if a guy like Brendan Dillon or Dylan Sandberg was banged up and couldn't play, so they put in Logan Stanley to kind of fill their role. For Nate Schmidt, you got to put Declan Chisholm in. You, you're putting you're putting those Dylan Sandberg and Logan Stanley at a disadvantage. And there's a there's a couple times too where Stanley was playing with Dylan as well. But both those pairs, you're putting those guys at a disadvantage by not having a puck mover on that on those pairings. And so there's some. Especially for the defense, I think sometimes the coaching staff might not put them in the best situations to succeed, but they've got to be a lot, lot better. And I don't even think that Vegas's forecheck was overly relent relenting today. It, it was just they just pressured a de- like a normal amount, and the Jets were having troubles. It was almost like 
they had some PTSD from the playoff series last year, last season, where it was like, oh, they're going to be coming in hot. We got to get rid of the puck quick. We got to make quick, smart plays. And sometimes they had a little bit more time than I think they thought. And it was just causing them to kind of not make the right play a lot of the time. And that's kind of what we've been talking about too, is that that's what's holding this team back right now is that they don't have a, a legitimate cup potential winning defense. Josh Morris, he's a number one, but outside of that, you're probably looking at a bunch of guys who are number fours at best. And that's just not going to win you a Stanley cup in this league. Yeah, no, I mean, that's, it's the decor and the team defense, but then you get yes. into a whole chicken, chicken and egg thing, right? Like, is the is the team defense poor because the decor is so bad, or are the forwards so poor defensively they can't help out the deep? You know what I mean? So yeah. it's, I, I don't disagree with that, and I mean that a bunch of number fours might might be accurate. Uh, I would say on the back, I thought Sandberg had maybe his best game of the season. I, I thought he was. A bright spot there but i mean since we're going to the logan stanley well right off the bat look he wasn't the reason why they lost the game but i i just don't get it and, and i think the main point is don't blame logan stanley because he's not playing himself you know what it like yeah. it's management and coaching that just keeps throwing him out there and and they they've got better options all right like i I just don't get at this point what, what Declan Chisholm has to do to get into a game because especially when you have a lack of puck moving options from the back end, that's Chisholm's bread and butter. Yeah. So to take out Nate Schmidt, who's one of the only guys on the blue line outside of Morrissey and Pion that can that can do it well, you would think, well, stylistically, let's go style for style here. And at least we can put, you know, Chisholm and Sandberg together and see how that works out. Uh, but I, I just think we know the limitations of, of Logan Stanley's game. We know what the floor is. I, I think he's a fine seventh defenseman. Um, but I, I think Declan Chisholm's a much better option at this point. Much more upside, and it made much more sense to tap him on the back and say, you're going in for Schmitty here because you guys play as a similar game. But I would agree that the, the blue line as a whole, that issue's popping up in a big way. Because they're just... They're not talented enough and they're not deep enough. That's that's a terrible combination. Right? It's 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 pretty concerning. And it, it really goes to everybody outside of Morrissey. I mean, Pyong's been Pyong's been up and down, but we kind of know what he's like right now. I mean, Dylan Sandberg, I think, could be a good second pair defenseman. There's not too many. Like if you have Morrissey and Sandberg, you still gotta find two upgrades in my opinion on what the jets have right now on their top four. And that's, it's going to be impossible mid season to do. I think it's just going to be so rare for a trade like that to happen. So they're going to have to figure out a way to, they're going to have to figure out a way to maximize what they have here. And, and maybe it is putting the guy like Chisholm in, right? Because sometimes you put a young guy in, they elevate their game and oh, we got a diamond in the rough. Maybe that's a way that, we can find some internal improvement at least, um, but it's it's hard to it's hard to envision a scenario where three or four guys all at the same time are all able to elevate their game to levels that they either aren't capable of right now or haven't done in a couple of years, and it would just be foolish to expect otherwise. Um, and it's it's too bad because the forward course been pretty damn good all season, and. 
even with the injuries they're going through right now, I thought again the forwards, a bunch of the forwards looked really, really strong last night. So it's 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 not all doom and gloom, but it's it's tough to win in in, in this day and age in the NHL with a subpar blue line. And Morrissey's doing his best, but he's not he's not going to be able to carry it alone. And we got to find some answers. And we got to find them quick because one and three can turn into one and four and one and five really, really fast. And then things can Oilers next. Oh yeah. I mean that, well, Oilers have their own problems too right now, but that's going to be a brutal one. You have the Rangers, the Knights, once again, in these next handful of games, the Red Wings have been flying high so far. It's, it's a little, it's a little bit daunting. It's a little bit scary Tyson that, you know, you don't, I think in the first 10 games, people are always like, well, I'll go seven and three. To me, it's like just go 500. <laughs> like, as long as you're, as long as you're not killing yourself and looking at two and eight, three and seven, I'm okay with 500. 500 is going to be excellent for the Jets after 10 games at this point. Yeah. And we'll see if they have it in them to turn it around. I mean, goaltending, not, not that Brassois was bad or anything last night, but it's also tough to win games when you're giving up four and five every single night. So, a couple of stellar Hellebuck performances would go a long way, and they definitely need it the most coming up in this stretch of games. Well, and th- that's what happens when you don't get the Vez and the goaltending that you've had for so long, too, right? Like, going back to the Calgary game, there's the Anderson shorthanded goal where it's, you know, it's a good shot, but it's pretty far out. You go and look at the L.A. game, well, I mean, that game was probably, was probably already out of hand by the time that this goal went in, but Trevor Moore's second goal, that was that might be one of the worst goals I think I've seen Connor Hellebuck let in, and right and right before that too, Trevor Moore again ripped a it was a really hard shot, well placed shot, but he he fired that from like beyond the top of the dot, close to the boards, and it beat him clean. Yeah, this is like that's where and I don't you look if we go and break down all the goals throughout the year, a lot of it is defensive breakdowns. So you it's. It's easy to blame the goaltending. Sometimes it's easy to blame the decor too. But I think that they need to do a much better job, uh, like as you said, as a whole, uh, defending in front of the net. Because and even uh, so far this season, we've seen a lot of plays in front of the net where guys are. It's one guy's uncovered, completely uncovered. The LA game there was about two instances where that happened. I forget who scored the goal where. There, no one within like 15 feet of him, and he's just standing in front of Hellebuck. Like, again, like Eichel, I mean, it's a penalty kill, but Eichel there too. Like they kind of they were playing the penalty kill well; it was going all good, and then all of a sudden they kind of start scrambling a little bit, and it's just Vegas just finds a guy, open guy, and it's wide open. It's it's concerning already because this is what plagued them to end the season last year, and they didn't fix anything with it. So. At this point, how do you f- correct that when it's already a two-plus season issue? It's There's no right answer right now for this team. And maybe, like you said, Declan Chisholm comes in, plays very well, earns a full-time spot, and then Hainala comes back, and maybe he builds off the preseason that he had, and then you kind of get two decent additions to your blue line, and maybe that's enough to help you out. But that's you're asking a lot out of two young guys who really haven't played any any, any NHL minutes to kind of save your defense. It's, well, and and how do we expect them to get in at this point too, right? Yeah, like what are the Hanela may be a little bit different because of how how well he played and it was just injury 
injury bad luck that he's not playing 15, 16 minutes a night right now. But I mean, to, to have them both in, I, I just can't envision a scenario where judging on this team's track record, that's even a, a possibility for them. Um, I mean, the, the third goal to me was kind of the microcosm of this team's defensive issues, that third goal against against Vegas, where, I mean, one, Shifley has a minute 45 second shift. It just it can't happen. And there must have been four turnovers from, I think, three different culprits inside the Jets' own end before the puck finally found Martinez, who was, I mean, and that can't happen either, right? Like, so you have four turnovers on plays where the puck either needs to be managed better or just, you know, cleared out of the zone. And then you have a defense, like a really simple play, a defenseman just from the blue line cuts into the middle of the ice. And it's just too easy. Untouched. Untouched. It's too easy. Untouched. Would you like a save? Maybe. Puts it a great shot with some speed on it. You know what I mean? Like, those, those are the ones that really piss me off. Goals like that where it's, there's a lot of like hockey 101 that, these guys are pros and they just they, they they need to know better. They they do know better. Those are the ones like the power play happens sometimes, deflections happen, all, all that stuff. But that's just those are the ones that I and I bet Bones is after the game looking at that. Oh JC man, like we we cannot we cannot allow goals like that to happen and expect to have any shot at the playoffs this year if if that's gonna be our D zone coverage regularly. Yeah, and then even like L.A. too, they kind of did the exact same thing. The Jets just weren't able to kind of capitalize on a lot of on. They didn't really have many chances, but they weren't able to capitalize on anything. And it's the fact that this is it's just keeps on happening. Like it's already this season. I that's what you said too is that this team has the ability to make really high level plays and to wow you as, at times. And then it's the basics where you just can't even commit a simple breakout you can't even go d to d sometimes like even that on the the first or second goal sorry where demello was just like he completely just shoveled the puck into howden skates for no reason and then that leads to the turnover and stone finds howden on that kind of semi two-on-one and for an easy tap in like that just can't happen that 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 was a nothing play at the start it was a complete nothing play and the Knights turned into into a semi two on one with a backdoor tap in. That cannot happen if you have any aspirations of being a cup contending team, which they think they are. So, you know, how how are we going to correct that? That's where I think we should go from here. And let's just even remember the Florida game too. The amount how that game was completely the Jets for the taking, and in a matter of three minutes the basics go completely out the window guys are trying to it's that it's kind of same old same old guys are trying to get the empty net goal kind of leaving assignments early not not focusing on the actual d zone play and florida almost came back if the chuck scores there imagine imagine if that happened where chuck scores that goal and i guess you could do hypotheticals for any game like you could say if logan thompson doesn't make three save of the year saves that is true as well thompson did make some crazy saves that, in that, game. that first uh, kind of tangible that first stick save oh my that was one of the craziest saves i've seen live i looked like a like easy yeah. goal and just the per- perfetti ripped that like he ripped yeah. that up high and the fact that he got all paddle was absurd and then even i mean i honestly thought that that uh that second save he made i believe it was i i follow where 
it was the one timer. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought the first shot went in. I honestly <laughs> thought the first shot went in and then he makes a, he, another diving left-hand blocker save, but yeah, like it's just the base that this team needs to get back to the basics before they can focus on the, the fancy plays and the, and the show stopping offense. They need to really like lock it down and play a stiff game. It's stiff, a stiff, stiff game. Like, Stiff might not be the right word, but like a nice. I love it. If, if I say another word, it's probably going to sound worse. So I'm going to stick with stiff. But <laughs> you play a stiff game in the D, D zone, and you have the talent to capitalize off those off turnovers that you create in the D zone, or just play breakups. You can use your skill from there and and really be a dangerous team. But it's just, I don't know. It's it's hard to say because we're not in the locker room. We're not we're we're not at practice. We're not taking part in the drills. You know, like we don't know what's being preached to the team. But like, figure it out. <laughs> like, yeah, all, all, all it is, all, it you got you got to pop that blue pill in and just <laughs> just be just have it. It's got to be stiff in the diesel. For, I like for a nice six hours of hard yeah, hog. Yeah, yeah. Hey. <laughs> No hospital visits. Make make it last three hours. <laughs> I've, I've, yeah, that that's the first. I've never heard stiff defensive zone coverage, but we'll we'll go with that. That's got to be the motto for the rest of the year for the club. Um, on the positive side, though, and we kind of touched on it a little bit there. You know, the forwards for the most part look look really strong. The one exception being the Mason Appleton top line experiment yeah. went as poorly as we a lot of fans thought it would and how it did for the majority of last season when he was put together with uh with with Shifley and Connor it, it just doesn't it doesn't work and it was bizarre because Kupari looked so good last game on that top line and then he was great in this game too like yeah. he's that was a sneaky little throw-in in that Dubois trade he's he's a keeper he like he's a good player and I, I just thought the team would try as little try to throw as as, like you know we can put kapari up there on the top line and then we don't have to mix and mash and and switch up any of our other lines keep everybody intact there but they opted to throw everything into the blender there and it it just didn't work i mean he i i get the sense that you know bones wants somebody that gets in on the four check and is hard on the puck to go with shifley and connor but yeah like they're that's not his the biggest element of his game, and then he just doesn't have the the offensive sense to get into the the dangerous scoring areas and and play off of them, and it, it just didn't work. So that I mean that part of the game wasn't great, but I mean Nemestikov once again proves everyone wrong, myself included. Being strong down the middle, Perfetti looked great on the wing. Unbelievable play by those three on the uh, the tic tac toe goal. Uh, and then Ehlers looked like Ehlers for the first time this season. He he was he had some game breaking moments, and then the Lowry line, which I think everybody kind of the opposite of Appleton, everybody anticipated would be stellar, was exactly that. And you can make the case Alex Heifel has been one of the team's best forwards this year. Maybe behind Shifley has been their best forward. And you want to talk about switching the lineup? He's the guy that needs to jump up to the top line right now. I know it would take a bit of a blowout of that third line, but he's looked outstanding. Yeah, it's, I mean, 
there are so many other options I really shouldn't be playing on that top line. Like almost, literally almost anyone else besides Appleton. And like no, there's no offense to him. He just fits nice with Adam Lowry. That's those... or on the fourth line, yeah, yeah. Like those, that's where he is. That's where he should be. And like the forward, I mean, Nino. I thought Nino had a really good game as well today too. But it's the forwards are when when they can establish ozone time, they're a really dangerous team, especially because they do have guys throw up and down the lineup that can put the puck in the back of the net. But yeah, like it's. It would kind of kind of baffle me, especially because Kupari. I, and I know Appleton had a maintenance day, but Kupari was on the was up there during practice too. It's just I just don't really get it. And like you mentioned, he's he's looked really good, and he has coming into the like when he got drafted, his game was all about being an extremely skilled player. And so I just don't see how you don't see the connection there. There's there was a, there, a couple baffling lineup decisions already to start the year and see where they go from here but i want i you got to think that the the lines get switched up again heading into edmonton yeah i i don't know i don't know taste i mean i i think the easy move me like if i had to predict i have fallow for appleton yeah maybe bones ops with that yeah, I think so. And and sorry, I just wanted to mention too. You said Nemestikov's been really good. He is a puck magnet. Like he, the poor guy that had an absolutely. It was such a beautiful block shot that first in the first period. Like he, it just squared up perfectly, read the play perfectly, and was in the perfect spot. And then I forget. I believe Ehlers took a rip or two, and he just wore that in the back of the leg. Oh, he just, okay, and, I get what you're saying. And he he just gets right back up. I love. I I. I'm a huge fan of Vladimir Mesnikov and it's just, you know, he, should he be playing second line center? Probably not. Is he playing pretty good as a second line center? Yeah. I know, that, that's where I'm at. It's like, you look at the second line centers of, of the playoff teams in the West and you're like, that's a massive downgrade. And then he just goes out there and he plays his ass off. And you're yeah. like, well, this doesn't make sense, but I mean, he keeps doing it. So I, I don't know. Maybe, Maybe it's just some. It's just one of those weird things where it just works. It clicks with him and he. I, I don't know. We'll see. I mean that 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 line's not going to change. I know that going into Edmonton, but I have fallow for Appleton to me makes a lot of sense. We'll see if Bones opts to go that way. Um, and it's. I mean, it's going to be a tough one too. Unfortunately, because unfortunately for us, the Flyers won, and unfortunately for Jets fans, the Flyers won, and you have a, a surly Oilers team. Coming back home on a sad late night Saturday night game, I mean, just stay out of the box, Winnipeg. That's it. I even get like, just don't don't make this a five six power play night for Edmonton, and then the game's just over because you can't do it. Like that, that that's all I care about. Whatever happens, happens. Just minimize the the penalty kill time to four minutes, and you're and you're giving yourself a chance against Edmonton. So we'll see what happens there. Um, speaking, sorry, quickly speaking of refereeing. And power plays. This ref, this ref group was god awful today. Like there was, it was one of the most absurd. The whole game, it's like they came and were like, "We're not going to call anything." And then all of a sudden, the third period, they're like, "Ah, we can't have no power plays for either team." Here's one, and then the Jets <laughs> scored on, and they're like, "Oh, now we have to give Vegas a power play here," and then they score. It's just like, what? Just call the game like you're supposed to call it. 
like I, there was a play below the goal line where Ehlers got high stick right in front of the ref. Nothing. Alex Martin, and it was for both sides too. It wasn't just like in in favor of one team. Yeah, like the, the, the Barbashev Barbashev hit that they, they called a huck. It's like what two guys? It was yeah, it was bizarre. It was it was not. I mean, but we could say that most nights in the NHL. So and it's a, it's, it's getting it's, to it's be not, a problem. Well, it, it yeah, is. but I, I'm just kind of used. I'm almost I'm almost like blinded to it because it's just like. Yeah, of course they were awful. Like <laughs> this is what the league wants. Uh, just quick, we should touch on this before we got. Uh, and I do want to switch topics here to the big one in the city over the past few days. But I just there was a lot of a lot of angst and consternation inside the building. But on the game winning goal by Vegas on the power play, is that a penalty on Stone on Appleton as he tries to clear the puck? I don't think so. It was not a penalty. It was the right call. That's just the didn't slash him, didn't hook him, just stick on the ice. He was heavy on his stick. Was, I mean, that's that's what Mark Stone does. He's one of the best in the NHL, maybe the best in the NHL in terms of stick play. And he made a he made a beauty there. Just a tough break for the Jets on that one. And I think part of that part of the the response to that play too is just because they had missed so much stuff before yeah. that it was like everyone's just on edge and they just want to jump at the refs. But yeah, that wasn't a penalty. Yeah, too bad because it would have gave the Jets an extra point at least. But they fall five three to Vegas, and yeah, efforts got to be better going into Edmonton on Saturday night. Not a must win. Too early in the season for that, but need a win. So. Just step it up a little bit. That would be great. Two, two and three feels a lot better than one and four. So let's let's find a way to get it done. Now let's get to the uh, unfortunately the big news of the week here in Winnipeg, and I mean, sad, scary, nerve wracking. It, it, it's it's tough to not put a very pessimistic, nightmarish spin on this, Tyson. Just you know, being fully transparent on it. But we all know by now the Jets' home opener, not a sellout, not even close. Average attendance through the three home games so far this year in and around 11K, give or take a few hundred. I mean, we're talking well over 4,000 empty seats in terms of tickets being sold, let alone, I mean, I don't even know how many people are actually in the stands at these games, right? But like we're... Clearly the smallest barn in the league. That That's not a college arena. And so that's only amplified when it's not sold out. That scary, scary, scary times that the, I guess the worries from, from the Jets organization going back to once this season ended and that ticket drive campaign started can kind of get where where, where their messaging was coming from there. Now, before you dive in, Tyson, there's a few things I do want to get to about the attendance issues here in Winnipeg. And everybody's got an opinion on on why it is the way that it is and then what can be done to fix it. Here's the one for sure I know in all of this. In no way, shape, or form should anybody be blaming the individual ticket buyer in this situation. I'm not for one second going to say that Joe Schmo that lives on Stafford needs to buck up and pay 60, 70 bucks a night to go see the Winnipeg Jets play or else they're going back to Atlanta for the third time. I mean, it's 
it's it's it's a lot of money for average people to shell out on a consistent basis and it's a lot of money even for families that want to go for a one-nighter you know what i mean like it's it's a crazy price in in every city in every market right now so i i'm i'm at no point going to say that you know individuals Average salary earners, things like that, are, are the ones to blame, and you need to go support the team no matter what. I, I I just can't buy that because I'm in that situation. And guess what? I like groceries. I like my electricity being on, <laughs> so I can understand why people might be a little bit hesitant in in throwing down a little bit of extra dough that they might not have right now. Because if you forgot, there was a pandemic and then a mini recession earlier this year so it's not the best of times especially in smaller markets like the one here in winnipeg having said all that tyson look there are many factors going into this and everybody's right in the the factors that they choose like they all do play a part in this so in my attempt to simplify a very complex situation i think it really boils down to this tyson and and these are the very few facts we know about this because I mean, true North is very tight lipped on most things to begin with, but especially with financials, they're going to be very, very close to the vest as any organization would be. But Mike McIntyre, the free press reported that, and I believe this was back earlier this year that the Winnipeg jets in terms of ticket sales, 15% of that comes from corporations from businesses the average Canadian team rate outside of Winnipeg is anywhere from 45 to 85%. The average NHL team corporation slash business ticket rate is well above 50%. Okay? That, to me, kind of underlines the main problem in this, and that being if this is the situation that you find yourselves in, you've got to either, A, find a way to drum up more business and sales from local corporations to try to up that number a little bit closer to the league average or the, even the Canadian average in this situation, how you do that. Look, I'm going to be the first to say, I have no idea. I don't, I mean, I kind of work in sales with my other, with my job, but as far as tickets and business and all that stuff, look, I'm not going to pretend like I know a whole lot there, but 15%, that number needs to be higher. But if it is only going to be 15%, you need to go way out of your way to cater to the individual ticket buyer when they compromise 80 plus percent of the business that you do in a gate-driven league. And I think that's where this organization has dropped the ball in a big way. They've done so in a number of different ways. But I think for too long, this team has taken for granted that people are just going to come in through the gate because it's NHL hockey here in Winnipeg. And people always say Winnipeggers are the smartest hockey fans in the league. Well, they're also pretty smart with everything else. And people just aren't, especially with how tight things are across the world, Tyson, people aren't just going to shell out big bucks if the entertainment value doesn't match up with the price that they're being asked to pay right now. And so I, I, I think that's, something that the organization needs to take a really, really deep, hard look at into how can we drum up more corporation ticket sales? But most importantly, 
how, how can we get the the average guys on our side again? And I think that's going to go a long way in getting that number closer to a sellout as opposed to to what it is right now. And it's funny as well, Tyson, because when Shifley and Hellebuck both signed their new contracts, I think especially Shifley said this, but he was kind of pleasantly surprised at the transparency and openness that that Chevy and management and ownership had with them when they just kind of spoke open and honestly about what the plan is for the team. And it's kind of ironic to me that they, in a way, understand that they need to do that more so with their players, but they don't do that whatsoever with the pain public. And I think even just something as simple as that would go a long way, right? Like, nobody's asking for the state secrets here, but, like, hey, let, let us know what's going on. Make yeah. us feel like we're valued. And that's another thing, too, where, you know, just even the just even the, the customer relations from this team, I've heard from dozens and dozens of people saying, like, we just don't get tickets anymore because they treat it as bad. That's just the that's that shouldn't be an option here in Winnipeg, especially when that's 85 80 85 percent of your, your your ticket sales there. So that's my two cents on it. It's it's not an easy fix though. It's not a quick turnaround, even if you have the right answers here. But man, oh man, I I, I know it's tough for everybody. But I just I don't know how it happens. But I I just hope you know a couple of weeks from now we're talking about how can the Jets fix their power play as opposed to. What in the world are we going to do about 4,000 empty seats every single night? Yeah. And even we go back to the trade deadline this this past season where we hear comments about this isn't, hey, listen, fans, this isn't fantasy hockey here. Like, we know it's it may not seem like much, but that stuff slowly starts to build up. And I think even I'm, I'm trying to think of the right word, but when you hear members from upper management talking, almost trying to weaponize fandom and saying that, Hey, look, we need you guys. Otherwise that we might not have a team in a couple of years. Like it's that it's that sort of stuff that I think that turns some people off. And the past couple of years, when the jets first came here, especially as a, as a flyers fan going to those games, there was a lot of times where it was sort of like, it was an experience of going to a Winnipeg Jets game. Like you were, you knew you were going to come into a raucous crowd and you might get, you might get chirped the whole game. You might get something. I'm not saying that that's the way that we, that people should act at a game, but that's kind of what you expected. And the, and the, just the vibe in the arena too, was that of that of, Hey, where this is the Winnipeg hockey game. But when you're coming into Winnipeg, it's different than any other city in the league. And I think they've kind of lost that. It's just, you go to a game now and it's just another game. It's not, there's nothing really special about it. People aren't, it's like, I, I sent you the, a picture uh, during warm-up. And the arena was completely empty. Like, completely empty. Now, people showed up more throughout the game. And on when you, once the once puck drop happens, you know, it looks a little more full, but... You could tell like there's some seats where it's just not full, just not full, but people are kind of just, you know, it's, if you can afford the ticket, it's kind of just like, uh, Hey, let's just go to a jet game tonight. Like it's, it's not like there's no real excitement behind it anymore. You know what I mean? Like it's to your point, Tyson. And I know I, I didn't want to make this comparison, 
and it's apples to oranges in some sense. But everything you're talking about there, there there's another team in this city that completely gets it. Yeah. Completely gets it. And the Winnipeg Blue Bombers are selling more football tickets than they do in some NFL stadiums. Like they are like it's and they're look, they're dealing with the same problems. The Jets are in a lot of sense, right? Yes, I get that there's only nine home games compared to 41. But the fact remains that when you go to a bomber game. Ask anybody here in Winnipeg, you know, you're going to have an awesome time. You know, it's going to be a great experience, right? But the organization's gone out of their way for. I mean, since since the since the Canadian Mafia took over there, they've gone out of their way for six, seven, eight years to build a culture, right? That hey, we're going to communicate with our fan base. Like, hey, what you want this? All right, let's make it happen, right? Like they they that 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 organization gets it, and and they I think they do things extremely right. Obviously, it helps that there's a potential dynasty being built in the stadium there right now. But I truly believe even if, even if the team was winning 10, 11 games a year, as opposed to 14 games a year, that we'd still be seeing the same thing going on there because they understand that there's a lot of entertainment value that needs to be put into it. And I think the mindset of you get a game when you buy a ticket and that's it. And anything else is extra that's extremely short-sighted and that's gonna that, that's gonna lead to teams leaving town yeah. cannot think like that they could do that in the first few years of this team coming back because it was this rabid interest and it, i mean they let's face it they could have thrown timbits out there on the ice and and fans would have lost their minds losing 15 yeah. nothing every game right so there i just think there needs to be a little more understanding that this is a relationship there needs to be communication. There needs to be changes made. And it's it's not 2011 anymore, right? Like the, the world has changed a lot since then. And and the fan base has changed a lot since then. And they need to there needs to be a better job done pretty much across the board in terms of exactly what you said there, Tyson. Making a Winnipeg Jets game a unique experience again. Because it was like people would come all over from all over the, the North America to come watch a game and be like, holy crap, this is amazing. And they've got to find a way to recapture that right now because it's nowhere near that level. It may never get to that level ever again, but that should be the goal of the Jets right now is how how can we recapture that and what needs to be done all across the board. Ticket reps, communication game day experience, entertainment, music, concessions, parking, price, like everything everything needs to be evaluated right now and done better to to get to where it was a number of years ago where it was a legitimate destination across the NHL. And and we we mentioned some of the stuff that like ownership has has to potentially do to draw fans back in. Onus is on the players and coaches management too. I, I there's no easy way to put this necessarily, but there's not a lot of community engagement overall with this Jets team. It kind of just feels like they play in Winnipeg. You know what I mean? 
and it's not not a shot. I mean, Lowry does great work with uh, Team Toba. That's that's something that's that's highlighted quite a bit. But other, outside of that, you know, it's just it, there's there that connection is missing from as opposed to when the team first came over here. There's there's just a a lack of there's just something missing there, and they need to bridge that gap pretty soon. And you know, there's a lot of things I think that they can do to work on, a lot of things they can do better. But it just starts with rekindling that connection with the fan base. And this, this city has by far the best fans, the fans that care the most for their team out of anyone in the, the big four leagues. I like I would I truly believe that, that this team when it comes to or this fan base when it comes to sports is top notch and no one cares more than any in any other state or province in North America. Like this, these people care. It's if you can kind of show that back that, Hey, we know you guys care and we want you guys to be proud of what we put out there. And we want to be proud of our fan base. Like that. It's just, that sort of thing needs to come back. And I, I'm, I believe that it, it will happen, but you know, they got to start making some changes. Free beer. Free beer, free beer, free, free yeah. beer. <laughs> I, mean, I guess you can't really do dollar beer night. That would that would be bad. Yeah, but why, even why not for like thirty minutes? Be like if you no. Come, well, I yeah, I, I, but like I mean that actually as soon as I said I thought about like just the rush of people like that. That that, that sounds like the same thinking that went into disco night at at Comiskey Park with the White Sox for like. Hey, it'll be fun. Like, what's what's the big deal? Just do some <laughs> disco demolition. Oh my gosh, we've got a riot on our hands. Like, <laughs> but hey, maybe maybe five dollar beers, second period on a Tuesday night. Like, I, I don't know. I'm just throwing stuff out there. But um, I don't want to talk about attendance issues. I hope, like, I just maybe it's let's hope it's just a one off. Um, but it's happening in Buffalo too. Surprisingly, like the Sabers pulled in 11k. I don't know if it was their home opener, but in one of their recent games. Uh, and I like Buffalo's had an awful team for a while, but like fans are legitimately excited about what they've got going on there. Not a lot of people going to games. I mean, attendance is down all over the place, but I just, yeah, it's, it's just such a sensitive topic here in Winnipeg that let's hope we talk about it this time and we can just focus on what's going on on the ice moving forward. And, and we, we have said, we've mentioned about the players, coaches, man, like ownership, the onus is also on the NHL as a whole. They haven't been able to make their product the most. They haven't been. They haven't marketed it great. They haven't made it the best possible product that it can be on the ice. Refereeing being part of that as well. So that it, it, the onus is on the NHL too. Like this sport is so fun to watch. It's just there's a lot of just prehistoric thinking that goes on, and that there needs to be kind of a a paradigm shift in the NHL very soon. You got. You gotta have. You gotta have. You gotta be stiff in your marketing if if you want to make it very stiff in pro sports. You gotta stand right. out. You gotta stick out. All right, that's enough out of you. <laughs> uh, it's almost midnight here on Thursday, so let's cap it there. Thank you guys for tuning in once again. We'll get back at it next week, breaking down well the lone game for the Jets Saturday night against Edmonton before they. Return to action Tuesday night against the Blues. But we'll come at you guys early in the week and then break down a difficult stretch for the club after that. Until then, though, thank you so much for listening to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki, CJOB's Tyson Rewicki with us once again. 
We'll get back at it Tuesday morning. Until then, enjoy your weekend. Stay safe and have fun, everybody. Peace.